Amen. Whoa, that's loud. Hello? 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 Okay. All right. Good evening. Thank you all for uh, coming back out tonight. And, um, and I want to thank you personally uh, for, for y'all being so generous to my friend Ryan. I know that's going to be a great blessing to them. And, um, and, I mean, my goodness, what a calling, you know, moving indefinitely to Mexico to get the Bible in the hands of people who've never had one before in their heart language. So that's an incredible ministry. So I, we're grateful to be a part of that. Um, so tonight we're going to continue uh, through our series on evangelism and you know, we've talked a lot so far about, uh, let's see, we've talked about what is evangelism, we've talked about what is the gospel, we've talked about how you share the gospel as a story that is the story of redemptive history of which our lives are a part. Um, last, last time we talked about the why of evangelism, what motivates us in evangelism. Well, finally, some of you have been holding your breath. We're going to talk about the how, that is, what are some, what's some practical advice that we can uh, have in order to actually share the gospel with other people. And so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And as we, um, as we just kind of dive in, let me pray for us one more time. Lord, we thank you again for another opportunity to gather together as your people to worship you. And Lord, we confess our own um, inadequacy, Lord, and, and many other things concerning um, our witness, Lord, but we proclaim your sufficiency, Lord, that you, by your Holy Spirit, dwell within us, Lord, and that by your power, we indeed can proclaim the good news that Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And we can love other people, Lord, and that you, by your grace, will give us opportunities to share the gospel, Lord. We pray that you would do that. I pray this week, Lord, that you would grant each person in this room an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone else. I pray that when the Holy Spirit prompts us, Lord, you would give us the courage and the boldness to speak. And Lord, I pray that we would know the joy of being part of your work in somebody's life that may, could very well indeed change their lives eternally for the better. And be with us now, Lord, as we look in your word and contemplate some ways that we can be effective witnesses, Lord. I pray that you would lead us in this, that you would open up opportunities for this, and that we might see people come to know you that we might be able to testify to your saving power through believers' baptism. And Lord, that, that you might grow this church, uh, all the churches in our county, our nation, our world, Lord, by people coming to know you through our uh, proclamation. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So the nuts and bolts of evangelism. The first thing that we need to do when it comes to evangelism is pray. The first thing we need to do is pray. James chapter 4 verses 2 through 3 says, You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You know, it's easy to give lip service to prayer. But God answers prayer. He does. And it may be that the reason we are often hesitant, myself included, to share the gospel with other people is because we haven't bathed in prayer. I'm telling you, there is something about praying about something that empowers you. When we pray, we are handing ourselves and our fears and our anxieties and our insecurities. We're handing those things over to God as we pray. And as we do that, the Lord really does work. He really does change us. He really does answer those prayers. And 
we walk into life and we walk into situations and opportunities with far greater confidence, not in ourselves, but in God, when we have bathed it in prayer. So God ultimately is the one who saves. So we don't save people. Um, We can't convince people to believe the gospel. We're just the messengers. And so we need to pray. And there's lots of things that we need to pray for. I'm going to talk about a few. First of all, I think it would be helpful. It's helpful for us to pray when we think about sharing the gospel. We should pray for a right heart. And what I mean is, it's very easy, it's very, very easy to approach evangelism um, with, a, with a skewed perspective. You know, like I've, like I've often said, when we think about evangelism, oftentimes, you know, we kind of feel guilty about it because we all know, you know, we don't do it as much as we should and that kind of thing. But it's important to recognize that evangelism does not give you right standing before God. Jesus Christ gives you right standing before God. So whether you share the gospel or not, although I really believe you should, we, shouldn't, we should not give, succumb to the temptation to think that if I share the gospel, God's going to love me more. God loves you perfectly through the Lord Jesus Christ. So it is not in order to earn God's love that we share the gospel, but it is because we have God's infinite love already that we share the gospel. He has loved us so deeply and so freely that we tell others about that love. And so we have to fight that battle in our heart to not um, do, uh, to try to guilt ourselves into witness or something like that because it's just not going to work. God already loves us perfectly through Jesus Christ. And so we share the good news with others out of the overflow of that truth. And we also need to pray for a right heart because it can be a source of pride. You know, it's uh, evangelism, basically like anything else in life, it's one of those things that's like when you don't do it, you feel guilty. And when you do do it, you say, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm pretty good. I, I, I shared the gospel this week. So it can be a source of pride, too. That doesn't please the Lord either. So we need to pray for a right heart when it comes to evangelism. What is the right heart when it comes to evangelism? I think a great way to summarize it is as Jesus summarized the law is in two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The right heart when it comes to evangelism is loving God so much that you want other people to know him. To see God as so glorious and to enjoy and to Be blessed by who God is that you want other people to enjoy that blessing of knowing God. And, and of course, that correlates precisely to loving other people. The most loving act, we should love other people in tangible, physical ways, absolutely 100%. But if we don't tell people about Jesus, we are are not loving them. In fact, even... You know, of course, not everyone's going to appreciate you sharing the gospel with them, but I've even heard of atheists um, who, when people have tried to share the gospel with them, some atheists have even said, um, you know, I don't agree with what you believe, but if I believed what you believed, I would tell people (laughs) about it because people's eternity are on the line. And so some people really do understand that if we believe what we believe, How could we not tell people? It would be grossly unloving not to tell people that they are in threat of divine punishment in hell, but they have the offer of a salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So out of love for God and out of love of people, we share the gospel. Now, and we we pray for those things. We pray, God, help me love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, help me love people. Give me a heart of love for people. And that's important, too, for other reasons, which we'll talk about later. But what else do we pray for? I want to give you some biblical, uh, some more biblical reasons uh, of what to pray, more biblical things of what to pray for when we think about prayer for evangelism. First of all, we need to pray for boldness and witness. Uh, In Acts chapter 4, the disciples prayed for boldness. This is what they prayed. Uh, when they were released, that is, you know, some of the apostles were, had been jailed for their proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. And it says, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. 
And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with all boldness. We should pray for boldness. God will give us boldness. If we're afraid, then we can ask for courage, and God will hear and God will answer. They pray. They faced, you know, they faced uh, imprisonment. They faced martyrdom for the proclamation of the gospel. We don't face, uh, you know, anything like that. But we can still pray for boldness that they prayed for, knowing that as we pray together, God will fill us with the Holy Spirit. He will give us power from on high. And we can speak the word of God with all boldness and see people come to know him. So we should pray for boldness and witness. Next, we should pray for God to send workers into the harvest. We should pray for God to send workers into the harvest. In Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. So, Jesus, this is really, there's there's not many places where Jesus commands us specifically to pray for a specific thing, but this is one of them. That Jesus explicitly commands us to pray that God would raise up people to send out into the harvest. That is to proclaim the good news of God's kingdom in the world. Explicit command to pray for this. And notice something. Jesus commands them to pray that God would send laborers into the harvest, and he commands them to do this right in the middle of what? What's he doing? (laughs) He's sending them out to go before him to tell people the good news of Jesus. In other words, as we're praying for God to raise up people to send out into the harvest to tell people the good news of God's kingdom... One of the, we're essentially praying for ourselves, God send me. <laughs> God send me. I'm one, I'm, you, by God's spirit, can answer your own prayer. And I think that's what Jesus intended. God would not, Jesus, I really believe, would not command us to pray for something that he wasn't intending to give. And so Jesus has commanded us to pray for God to send workers into the harvest. Lord, send workers into the harvest. For the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So we pray for boldness, and we pray for workers to be sent into the harvest. Now, the next thing we should pray for concerning evangelism, of course, is we should pray for the lost. We should pray for the lost. I mean, you know, this should should be obvious, uh, but... As I've said before, we, have to, we can't save people. The Lord has to save people. And so we have to pray. And the first thing we can pray for is that God would open their spiritual eyes. Uh, listen to this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. It says, 
In their case, uh, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Listen, there is, it's a real spiritual battle out there. The Bible says the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So what do we need to pray? We need to pray for God to open their spiritual eyes. We need to pray for, we need to pray for God to turn the light on. We need to pray for God to grant them light, God to grant them sight, to, to hear and believe the gospel. We all know from our own experience, most of us, that especially if you were saved a little bit later in life, you know that you might have heard the gospel, who knows, hundreds of times if you, went to, if you grew up going to church. Until one day, the light came on. And you saw, you saw, what did you see? You saw the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words... Before that, Jesus, to you, might have been a nice guy, as he, lots of people think he is. He might have been, a, a, you'd think, a good moral teacher, you know, or, you know, that, that kind of thing. But one day, the light comes on, and what do you see? You see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God opens your eyes, and you see that Jesus is much more than a man, But he is God. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And you believe. You see the light. So pray. Pray that God would open their spiritual eyes. Number two, for the lost. Second prayer for the lost. Pray for repentance and faith. Pray for repentance and faith. Acts chapter 20, verse 18 through 21. Paul says, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, verse 20, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that people will repent and believe the gospel. It's one act, you know, of, it's one act when you're facing one direction you're, and you're, and, you're, and you're, 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 you're looking at something and your back's towards something else. When you turn around, it's one action, but now your back's toward the other thing and you're looking towards something else. That's what repentance and faith is. You can't, there's no such thing as faith without repentance. You know, there was a time when some people said you could accept Christ as Savior, not accept Him as Lord. I, I just still don't think that's biblically accurate. If Jesus Christ is your Savior, He is your Lord. And you can't turn to Christ in faith without turning away from your sin because you can't look at Christ in sin at the same time. So when you're walking towards sin, your back's toward Christ. When you turn around, you look towards Christ, your back's towards sin. That's how it works. And so we pray, God, give people repentance and faith. So we pray that God will open their spiritual eyes, open, uh, grant them repentance and faith, number three. We pray for God to send others to share the gospel to them. Uh, the, the passage we just read, Luke 10.2, the, uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is just a, a specific application of the more general prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. This is a good prayer. Sometimes you may have the opportunity to talk to someone about Jesus, but you know that there's a good chance you'll never see that person again. You should pray that God will send other people into that person's life to share the gospel with them and to continue to water the seeds that you have sown. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I, I talked about you never know where you are in the, in the process, okay? You may be sowing the seed for the first time. You may just be plowing up hard soil. You may be watering seed that someone else has planted, 
Or it may be uh, the Lord brings you along and it's time for the harvest, so to speak, and the person's ready to believe. So you never know where you're at. So we pray, God, send other people to share the gospel uh, with these lost people in our lives. Number four, a way we can pray for the lost. Pray for ways to build caring relationships. Ways to build caring relationships. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Paul ministered both to Jews and to Gentiles. And uh, in the context of this passage, what he's talking about is that um, there would be times when uh, he, in order to not put unnecessarily, unnecessary stumbling blocks in front of people, that he in some, in some times would uh, uh, more, more follow the Jewish traditions, and then in some contexts he wouldn't. The reason was not because uh, in order, he was to play the hypocrite. The reason was is that in certain contexts, he didn't want to put an unnecessary stumbling block in front of other people. And so in other words, it is incumbent upon us to deny ourselves rights and privileges if that's what's necessary for other people to know the Lord. And so part of what that means is we're asking the Lord to help us to build caring relationships, to reach out to people. And if that means sacrifice on our end, we're going to be willing to do it in order that they may know Christ, in order that we might remove any stumbling block before them to coming to know the Lord. So we pray for lost people that their spiritual eyes would be open, that they would have repentance and faith, that God would send others to share the gospel with them, that we would be able to build caring relationships with them. And by the way, you know, relationships are perhaps the greatest bridge that, that, that there are to the gospel. And so, and so, you know, even on the way to church uh, tonight, I just kind of felt burdened to, to just pray that God would grant us some, you know, relationships with, with, uh, with unbelievers. You know, it's, it's, it's challenging because, you know, when you kind of live in the church world, most of your friends become are Christians and things like that. It can be hard to develop relationships with unbelievers. If, if, and so, but if God has given you those kinds of relationships, you should nurture those relationships. And you should seek to see how you can bridge the gospel into those relationships. Because when you have relationships with people, people are much more willing to hear what you have to say. And finally, uh, we should pray for opportunity to invite people to gospel Event In Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells a parable, and it says, um, The master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. You know, we should take opportunity as we can to invite people, you know, to church. I mean, that's not, that's not the sum total of evangelism. I think we, the primary uh, vehicle of evangelism is that we go, and we go to them. And share the gospel to them. It's just like what Ryan was talking about this morning. I don't, it wouldn't make any sense for us to go to another country and say, you need to learn English so I can share the gospel with you. You go to them. You do what it takes to take it to them. And so, but at the same time, you know, they're, they're, especially in this country, there's, we have lots of opportunities to invite people to places uh, where they can hear the gospel, and we should do that. We should, we, should also, we should do that in addition to sharing the gospel with them. We should invite people to church. And so, you know, I'm just going to make a plug for Saturday, March 24th. Block it out on your calendar, Saturday morning. We're going to gather here, uh, and we're going we're to pray together, and, um, and we're just going to go. And, and, you know, I'll talk about it more that morning, but, you know, we do want to invite as many people as we can, but at the same time, if, the, so, if someone opens up that door and you have a chance to talk to them, talk to them. Ask them how you can pray for them. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll prepare our hearts and Lord willing, we may have opportunities to share the gospel right then and there that morning. And so let's do that as we're inviting people to our Easter services. And let's see what the Lord will do. Um, I want just to share, talking about, about praying I just want to share a couple of stories that I think will encourage you. Uh, first is the story of Marquise. Uh, last week, last Monday, 
Well, you know, we know I've, we've been teaching through evangelism and, and, you know, praying that God would give us opportunities to share the gospel. And I was home for lunch, uh, and this car, you know, pulls off the bypass right in front of our house there and just stops, like, right there, right in front of our house. And the guy comes up. There's two guys in the car, but one of them comes up to the door. And... Um, and and they were they were coming from Hazelhurst, so they were come they were coming from the east. So they they literally passed right by Walmart. So, but they had ran out of gas. <laughs> and so I, and so he told me that, and I'm like, you ran right by Walmart. You ran out of gas. You don't have a drop of gas. Your engine shut off, and you pull right in front of my house. You know. And so I'm just thinking, Lord, what is, what is this? And so I'm like, well, let me take you to the gas station. We'll get you a gallon of gas. You could drive to the gas station. And so, and so you know, you pray to the Lord to give you opportunities. Then the Lord gives you one. What are you going to do with it? Because let me tell you something. I was scared. I didn't know what I was going to tell this guy. I just knew that this was God saying, Chad, don't blow it, okay? Don't mess this one up because it's, it's, a, it's a softball. It's a t-ball, okay? And so I was like, man, okay. So we get in the car, we drive to the gas station, I'm kind of making small talk. You know, he, you know, we pump a little bit of gas, we get in the car, and I'm, like, and I'm like, what do I say to him? I don't know what to say. So this is what I say. I say, I'm a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> so when in doubt, I does, you know, just, I, I'm a pastor. I guess you guys can't say that, but I can say that. But I'll give you some tips of what you can say. But um, but I just say, I'm a local pastor here, and, I, and this, you know, and, and this is just what I said. I said, has anyone ever talked to you about Christianity before, how you become a Christian? You know, that may sound kind of silly, and in fact, he laughed. He, he laughed when I said it. He's like, well, he laughed because he said, well, I was kind of raised in, in the church. And so, and so we were talking, and, um, you know, we were talking about that, and I kind of asked him, well, you know, when would you say you became a Christian and things like that? Just trying to get a feel for where, you know, as best I could, where he really was with the Lord. Because, I mean, lots of people say they're Christian. And, and one thing is when you talk to people and you're trying to get a feel of where they are with the Lord, a question I like to ask is, um, if you died tonight, are you sure that you would go to heaven? And I asked him that. And he kind of just looked at me and he said, he, he, he said, no, I wouldn't. And so he was very honest with me about that. And I said, why is that? And he, and he talked about, you know, sin in his life. And, um, and so I, I had the opportunity to share the gospel with him. And, and so get this. You know, he runs out of gas, stops right in front of my house. The Lord gives the opportunity to talk with him. And then, and then as part of the conversation, this is what he said to me. He, he looks at me and he says, you know, this is crazy because... I've been having dreams every night that the rapture has happened, and it is terrifying me, and God is convicting me. You just never know what the Lord's doing. I'm telling you. You just don't know. And so if I would have never opened my mouth, I mean, you know, it was, God was preparing him to hear the gospel. And so, I mean, it can't get any clearer than that. And so I shared the gospel with them. And I, I, I pled with him to receive Christ, and, and uh, he just wasn't ready. He just wasn't ready. And he was, he was really, really thinking about it, but he knew that he had sin in his life, and I don't know, maybe he just wasn't ready to give it up. And that's a lot of people, I'm telling you. They, Jesus told people to count the cost, and, and he wasn't ready. And so, but we just, I pray, I pray for Marquise that he would, he would turn to the Lord, see the Lord's better than his sin. But let me tell you something. When you pray, God will hear your prayer. So you pray that God will give you opportunity to share the gospel. And look, just be ready. Just be ready. Let me, let me share something else with you. Many of you have heard about a man named George Mueller. He, was, he, he lived in, in England around the same time as... Um, Charles Spurgeon and, and, and others. And um, he was a pastor. He led an orphanage. Uh, he never once solicited money for any, from anybody. He prayed, and God always gave them what they needed right when they needed it. And he ran an orphanage. He was well known to be a man of profound prayer. <clears throat> and listen to this. This is from 
these are some excerpts from George Mueller's diary. Okay? This is what he wrote, George Mueller. In November of 1844, I began to pray for the conversion of five individuals. I prayed every day without a single intermission, whether sick or in health, on the land, on the sea, and whatever the pressure of my engagement might be. Don't, if you were lost, wouldn't you want somebody to be praying for you like that? Eighteen months elapsed, a year and a half, folks. How often do we pray a year and a half every day for something? Listen, 18 months elapsed before the first of the five was converted. I thank God and prayed on for the others. Five years elapsed and the second was converted. I thank God for the second and prayed on for the other three. Day by day, I continued to pray for them. Six years passed before the third was converted. I thank God for the three and went on praying for the other two. These two remained unconverted. 36 years later, after this entry, he wrote that the other two, the sons of some of his friends, they were still not converted. 36 years later, he'd been praying. He wrote this, But I hope in God I pray on and look for the answer. They are not converted yet, but they will be. In 1897, 52 years after he began to pray daily without interruption, these two men were converted after Mueller died. Mueller understood what Luke meant when he introduced a parable where Jesus said, uh, Jesus told them a parable that they must always pray and not give up. God hears prayer. God hears prayer. Let me tell you, 52 years is not too long to pray for somebody's soul to be saved. You know, it's not too long. So we should pray and not give up. So pray. When it, first thing, when it comes to evangelism, we feel weak. We are weak. Look, that's okay. Look, we're just going to pray. God's going to do it. God's going to work. Okay. So the first and most important thing is prayer. Prayer. Now, now I'm going to give you some practical advice, and so the, it'll be up on the the screen, okay? And uh, I, I can, you know, I can I can send this to you as well, if you, if you kind of want it, if you, if you're not able to write it down now, about some tips when we're, when you're talking to people, um, and and some tips about share the gospel. So first, pray. Now, here's some practical advice. These are just some random tips. First, here's one thing that you can do when you're talking to somebody is ask them their story. Ask them their story. If it's someone you don't know, ask them their story. You'd be surprised what people will tell a total stranger, especially if they think they'll never see you again. That's good. Take advantage of it. First of all, it's just incredibly interesting to get to know other people. Second of all, it shows people that you're actually interested in their lives. And let me tell you something. Some people think that nobody's interested in them. You know, we had some Mormons, when we were living in Tifton, we had some Mormons come to our, uh, visit our house. And one of the first things I asked them was, you know, well, what's your story? And, you know, they just kind of laughed. They said, well, that's an interesting question, you know. No one's ever really ever asked me that before. So they kind of shared me their story. And then an, a worship leader from our church vi- was visiting or came or hung out. I don't know how, came to visit or something like that. And they were there. And... um and we, he got to talking with them, and, and then he asked him, he said, well, wh- wh- tell me your story. And the guy's like, what's, what's up with you people? Always asking people stories around here. But look, that's, that's, it shows interest in who they are. And let me tell you something. If you ask them their story, nine times out of ten, they're going to say, well, why don't you tell me your story? They'll ask you. And look, you have the opportunity to tell them what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Because look, if you are saved, then central to your story is God's story. And you get to tell them about it. So just say, what's your story? And that, and that, that brings us to a second uh, practical thing, and that's your testimony. You should feel comfortable sharing your testimony. And it's, it's not complicated. You just share your life before Christ. You need to share how you came to faith in Christ, including 
you know, the circumstances surrounding, you know, how it happened. And, and of course, be sure to include the gospel. So, for example, if you're sharing your testimony, and, and it doesn't have every, every testimony is miraculous. If you got saved when you're six years old, you just tell them that I went to church every day and I finally understood that I was a sinner, that Christ came and died and rose for me, and that I believe in him and, and my life has centered around him ever since. That's the gospel. Tell it in your story. As you share your story, tell the gospel as part of your story. And tell people how God has changed your life and is changing your life now. That's huge. People need to know that the gospel still changes people. And it does. And we should tell them what God has done for us. A third tip when you're talking with people. Ask questions. It sounds simple because it is. Just ask good questions. You know, most people, you know, will, will talk when, when prompted by a question. And, and there's lots of questions that you can ask to broach the gospel. You, and I, I've used some of these before. You can just ask people, well, you know, do you have a faith background or anything? Or, you know, do you go to church? Or when you do go to church, where do you go? Uh, one of the questions he mentioned in the book is, you can ask people, in your opinion, what's a real, what's a real Christian? Um, there are some other questions uh, that you could ask. Um, you remember several weeks ago I talked about one way to share the gospel uh, is kind of the story of redemption, where there are questions that you can ask that relate to that. You can ask people, for example, you could ask them, like, how, how did everything get here, you know, or, you know, the question, the big questions in life that sometimes people think about, but nobody really talks about. You know, why are we here? How did we get here? You could ask us questions like that. You could ask them questions like, "Well, what do you think's wrong with the world?" You know, and and look, you gotta you gotta think about bridges here. In in Sunday school this morning, you know, one of the things we talked about was complaining and grumbling. The Israelites grumbled. Well, look, just about everybody complains, and um, not saying it's right, but it's do, but it is. Well, you have opportunity then to say, well, you can acknowledge that there's sin in the world and say, well, why do you think this world is the way it is? Everyone knows this world's messed up. Look, that's a bridge to the gospel. When, someone, when there's some kind of tragedy, when something, you know, when, when people say, well, look at, look at the mess this world's in, you could see, that's, man, that's an opportunity to say, Let me, do you, why do you think this world is the way it is? It's broken the way it is. You have an answer for that. You can share the gospel. You know, what can be done? You could ask people what they think the future holds. What is the meaning of life? You could ask people, you know, you could ask people, you know, what, what are you living for? Lots of people, they'll say they don't know. You know, that's a question. Here's the thing about spiritual reality. There's lots of people today that live today. It's not that they're anti-spiritual things. It's just that they don't think about it. And so you can ask them, well, what are you living for? And when in doubt, when in doubt you feel led to talk to somebody and you have no idea how to start the conversation, this is, this is like, if I don't know what else to do, if I have no other way to approach somebody, this is what you do. You just ask them how you can pray for them. Let me tell you a story. We were on Auburn University campus one night, and I, I, don't, I forget who I was paired up with at the time. And we were walking downstairs in the student center, and there's a little spot in the student center where there's like a, there's like a little desk there, I guess, for a student who might work in that little area of the student center. And I saw him, and he was sitting by himself, and I kind of felt like, you know, we needed to talk to him, but I could not think of a way to initiate a conversation. So we just, we just kept on walking uh, down to the other side of the student center. And when we got to the other side of the student center, I was just like, we got we, we to go back and talk to him. And so we go back, and I had no idea what to say to this kid. So, I just, so we just walk up to him and just say, hey, guy, <laughs> um, we're Christians, and we're just, we're just walking around, and is there, just, is there just something we could pray for you about? And that just opened the door to, to, to conversation with him, to share the gospel with him. And we shared the gospel with him. 
And, um, and he was very open to it. And he said, well, my uncle's a preacher and stuff like that. And, um, and he said that he would talk to his uncle more about it or something like that. And so, you know, when in, you know, very few people, I mean, some will, of course, but very few people will turn down and offer to pray for, to pray for them. And so, you know, that's a great way to do it. Now, down here in the south, especially in, in small, smaller towns, you're going you're gonna to run into a lot of people who, of course, say they're Christian, but it's, you know, it's really hard to tell if they are or not. Sometimes it's not so hard to tell <laughs> that they're not. Um, but you're going to have lots of people who claim to believe, who claim to have faith, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't share the gospel with them. And I told you before, a question I like to ask is, if you died right now, are you sure you'd go to heaven? Another question that's good to ask them is, is this question that I found helpful from time to time. That is, you know, you could ask him this. If you died and you're standing at the gates of heaven and God asks you, why should I let you in? What, will you say to, what would you say? Nine out of ten people will say, well, because I've been a good person. They don't understand the gospel. If they say that, they don't understand the gospel. You have the opportunity to share with them how all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Nobody is good enough to get into heaven. But God, by his mercy, sent his son to pay the penalty on the cross to rise from the dead so we don't have to die forever in hell. And if we just believe in him, God will gives us freely the hope of eternal life as a gift. And so... So I commend that to you. Questions to ask to kind of probe, probe people a little bit deeper, you know, who, who claim, who, who claim uh, to believe. Okay, some other tips. Uh, the next tip is this. When you talk to people, speak to the heart and to the mind. Speak to the heart and to the mind. Um, if you're like me, and there's different kinds of people, it can be really easy to view evangelism as just information transfer. You know, I say X, Y, and Z, and then boom, I have evangelized. And, and I mean, it's not wrong, but look, people today are really kind of, you know, off-put by just like presentations. Like you came and just dropped a gospel bomb on them, and then it was like a flyby, you know, it's like, and then you just keep on going, you know? You need to engage people. We need to talk to them. And actual sociological research and, of course, common sense and human experience says that people are more affected by emotional connections than by just giving a presentation, right? You are much more moved, you know, Lord willing, you know, in, in worshiping in church than you are at a lecture in your, in your school classroom. Well, that's what evangelism should be. We need to actually engage people. And look, there are different kinds of people. In the book, he says that there are basically three kinds of people that we, each of us tend to gravitate to. There's the thinker, there's the doer, and there's the feeler, right? Thinkers just are kind of like more on an intellectual level. They're thinking. Doers are just like, what can I do? I just got to get it done. Just tell me what to do. And then feelers are, you know, real emotive people, you know, real sympathetic people. You all just identified with one of those. I know you did. All right. Well, there is a gospel. The gospel speaks to everybody. So, and we should be sensitive to kind of, as we get to know people, we should be sensitive to who they are and share the gospel in a way that's going to make the most sense to them and, and connect with them on, the, 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 on a, the deepest emotional level. For example, if I'm talking to a guy who's a thinker like me, I want to... Sh- I'm going to try to show him how the gospel and how Christianity makes more sense of the world and is the more, most coherent worldview and makes sense of our experience more than any other way to look at the world. If I'm talking to someone who's just a doer and trying to get something done, you know, just tell me what to do, I'm going to say the world had a serious problem and God did something about it in sending his son Jesus. If I'm talking with someone who's a more emotive person, I'm going to say, you feel deeply for other people. I praise God for that. 
God feels deeply too. He feels anger towards the evil and sin in this world. And he, and he rightly as a judge wants to punish that sin. But he at the same time deeply desires to show people grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. In other words, you can share the gospel in a way that speaks uh, to different kinds of people. And so you speak to their heart and to their mind. Uh, another, another way to engage people, to connect with people is this. Connect with people through their passion and their pain. Passion or pain or both. Everybody's passionate about something. Even the person who doesn't like to talk, there is something that if you start talking about it, they're going to go on and on about it. Everybody's passionate about something. Connect with that passion. <clears throat> uh, you know, uh, press, press that thing and, and, um, and find a bridge to the gospel through it. And, and, uh, and another thing is, is to connect with their pain. You know, as, as I said earlier, everybody knows that something's wrong with the world. Nobody looks at the world and says, it's just all roses, right? You, can, you have an opportunity always to show real compassion, to have an explanation of why the world is broken the way it is. It's because of sin and what God has done to make it right and that God will make it right. And finally, and the last tip I'm going to share tonight is the demeanor. And this, this is really important, is the demeanor when you share the gospel. And this is why at the begin, very beginning I said that it's so important to pray and to have the right heart with people as you approach people. Because, look, if you don't have the right heart and motive as you approach somebody, they will know. If you're just trying to check an evangelistic box and say, I did my evangelism this week, they will know. Because it'll come out in not just what you say, but how you say it. People can tell if you care. People can tell if you care. And so we need to pray for earnest love for people so that when we approach the people, we consciously have love for their souls and mind as we talk to them. And if we have that in our hearts, it's going to come out in the way we say things. People can tell if you care. Number two, people can tell, hear me now, people can tell if you believe what you're talking about. It, we should not be able to speak about a man, uh, that a man rose from the dead, like we, like we, just like we talked about going to eat cereal for breakfast. We... We should talk with a demeanor that is appropriate to the gravity of which we speak. And so when we talk to people, if we're talking about, when we, when we start talking about Jesus, it may, it may put them off. They may say, man, that person's a Jesus freak, you know, like a derogatory term. But let me tell you something. They should at least walk away saying at least he believes what he, he, believes what he just told me. They, they should know that. They should know that you believe what you're talking about and that you really believe because it's true that Jesus Christ can save their soul and change their life for the eternal better. And finally, and finally people, can know if, people can know if the hand of God is on your life. People will be able to know. Like I said, when, you walk, when the conversation is over and you walk away, they may, they may, they may feel weird about it, but they'll know whether they just encountered someone who God's hand was on or not. They'll know. They'll know. So if you're walking in the Holy Spirit, if you're asking God for help, if you're asking God to lead you and, and give you love for people and to believe what you're talking about as you talk with them, as you speak with them, look, people are going to know. And look, that leaves a mark on people, I'm telling you. They might not repent and believe right then, but it leaves a mark on people. And who knows what the Lord is going to do. And so hopefully, hopefully these, these tips were, were helpful for you. I, I, you know, I said nuts and bolts part one. Um, I'm not sure if I'll have more next week or not. But part of the reason that I did, I did this series when I did was that I, I really wanted to prepare us, you know, I, Hopefully, you guys will feel 
a, a little more prepared. It, hopefully, you'll come out on Saturday if you can on the 24th, and you'll feel more comfortable to share the gospel with people. And look, here's the deal. You know, um, I can I can explain to my four year old all the mechanics of riding a bicycle, but look, you don't know how to ride a bike till you get on one. I can share with you all the mechanics of how to share the gospel, but look. You just got you just got to talk to people about Jesus. And let me tell you something. God is going to help you. And let me tell you this. I'm the, when you have talked to Christ about someone and you know and you walk away. There there is joy in your heart. There is just incredible joy in your heart because you have been a part of God's work in somebody's life. I'll, you can, I want you to have that joy. I want more of that joy, you know? And, and, and so, you know, that's why we do it. God is, God's not trying to, you know, guilt us or trick us or make us feel bad. He's trying to give us something. There is a joy to know that Whatever, whatever, whether that person believes or not, we were part of something that God is doing in that person's life. And there is so much joy to that. And so just let me encourage you. Let's, let's step out in faith and, and, and see what the Lord's going to do. And you just don't know. I'm telling you, there will be, I have no doubt we'll have stories of someone, of someone will say stuff like, I've been having dreams or this just happened in my life or this and this. I'm telling you, folks, God connects the dots. You pray, you be God's, a man named Ananias was praying, and God one day said, stand up and go to Straight Street. There's a man I want you to talk to. I'm telling you, when you're walking in the Spirit, when you're seeking the Lord, he's going to connect the dots. You, you don't even know who that person is. You don't know where they came from. You don't, Ananias, maybe, you know, he didn't know Saul, he, uh, except he knew that he was a killer. But look, God prepared Saul. God, Ananias was ready. He walked, he's talked, and boom. You just don't know what God's doing. But if you're walking in the Spirit, God will connect the dots, I'm telling you. So that's what we have to look forward to as God's people as we share the gospel. So um, 